Good stuff. Come on, let's give it up for Shani. She's so awesome. We appreciate her and all of our military. Love you guys. Several from our campus that are in Iraq are on their way over to the Middle East. And, and so uh, we got City Life representation over there strong in the Middle East. So, um, hey, a couple of announcements uh, real quick. Uh, I do have my sermon up on the Bible app. And if you want to follow along on that, they have changed that whole platform. They changed everything over. So you need to make sure you're updating that app before you go in, otherwise you can't access it. So the whole thing's changed a little bit, so have fun figuring that out. Um, if you can't figure it out, um, ask your teenager um, or go sit with Steve, because um, Steve's good with technology too. So um, I didn't say anything, I didn't say anything. All right, so anyways, so that's that. And then also too, guys, um, after service, um, the men from uh, three different campuses are going to be going out and doing some laser tags, so getting some uh, adrenaline plumping and uh, going out and attacking each other um, in a non-harmful way, possibly. So, um, so that's going to be happening. So um, that's going to be taking place uh, over in Kiln Creek. And so you can see Steve about that, and he can tell you any of the information um, about that. So that's going to be happening tonight. It's $20, includes a couple games and pizza, all that fun stuff. So it's going to be awesome. You're going to have guys from all three campuses there. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, you'll see which campuses better, so it's going to be good, so. Hey, and as, uh, as um, Steve was sharing, you know, about this move, I really encourage you to go and check out Pastor Fred's blog. Make sure you're here next week. I'm sure he's going to talk about it. Um, it this is, this is a, such a monumental move for the church, and it's not just a move of location. This is one that is, is creating opportunity for us to have a greater influence, and so I, this, is, this is a great opportunity for us as a church, and so I'd love for you to make sure that you're getting all of that information. So is that good? All right, well, we're going to pray and jump into it because we got a lot of stuff. I told Steve I got about 80 minutes worth of sermon, so... Yeah, and then I feel like God wants to do something in, so we'll see if we're going to get there. So we'll see what happens, but let's pray because we want God in control, right? God, we thank you so much for who you are. God, we thank you that in this moment that we get to open your word, that you are speaking to us through your word, that your Holy Spirit right now is softening our hearts and opening our ears to hear you, the eternal God, speaking to us in this moment. Father, we pray, Lord, that you move in a powerful way. God, that not a single one of us is able to leave this place unchanged and untouched by your presence. Lord, we thank you so much for that in the name of Jesus. And everybody said. All right, so we have been doing this sermon series called Good News. Uh, Pastor Fred and I have been doing it. Juice is doing his own thing in Suffolk because he's the new guy and he can just do whatever he wants to. Um, but so hopefully you're listening to all three of the different podcasts. You can check those out on our website and hear the different things. And I know Pastor Fred has taken his approach. I've taken a little bit of a different approach on the good news and we've been talking through it. And so tonight I'm just going to share a little bit of what we've been talking about in Williamsburg. So I'm going to be starting in Ephesians chapter 3. If you want to open your Bibles, that's where we're going to be at, is in Ephesians chapter 3. And I just want to walk through a couple things and just talk to you about what is the good news. I think this is one of the most important conversations that we can have. I've been challenging the Williamsburg campus to ask them that, self, that question from the very beginning of the series and see how it changes at the end of the series. But what is the good news? How would you answer that question? Because a lot of times when we get asked, why did Jesus have to die? What is the gospel? What is the good news? There can be varying answers. 
In fact, you would think that it would be a straightforward answer, but when you look at different things that are written, you listen to different things that are preached, you listen to different things that are taught, different books that are written, it seems like we don't have a clear understanding of what the good news is. And that's a problem. Because the good news is what we need to know. We need to be clear on what it is because it impacts every aspect of our lives. And if you have a true, clear understanding of what the good news is, it literally is going to change the way that you live your life and how you follow Christ. And so I want to ask that question and we're going to talk about it and look at Scripture tonight. So if you're with me, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 6, I'm going to read out the message translation first and then switch the NLT just to help out all my ADD people. All right, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6. The mystery is that people who have never heard of God and those who have heard of him all of their lives, what I've been calling outsiders and insiders, stand on the same ground before God. They get the same offer, same help, same promises in Christ Jesus. The message is accessible and welcoming to everyone across the board. Then you go on to verse 10. Now reading the New Living Translation. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Let's pause there for a second. I got a whole message on this online. You can listen to it. I'm not going to do it tonight, but I'm just telling you, if church is uh, is something that is just optional to you, I'm just telling you church is part of God's scheme and his plan of what he's doing. Church is central to the purposes of God. Church should not be something that's optional. It should be something that we are deeply involved in, deeply committed to, and coming to. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a pastor and then I want you here. I'm telling you, God does something when we say, I want to be a part of that home. I want to be a part of that family. And I'm going to allow those people to speak into my life. And I'm going to use the gifts that God's given me to speak into their lives. God uses the church in a powerful way to display his glory. Church is not optional. Church is not something that we should just be able to put off on the side and say, eh, maybe it's raining today. I don't think I'm going to go. Well, it's perfect in 70 today. I think I'm not going to go. Like, when are we going to go to church, right? Church, man, it's central to God's purposes. Church is important. God has an eternal plan, and it says right here that he's been working it out, and his purpose is to work it out through the church. We need to be at church. That's good stuff, right? And look at your neighbor and say, hey, you're at church. Right? All right, now look at the seat next to you that's empty. Say, shame on you. All right. Just kidding. Just kidding. We don't shame people that often. All right. Verse 11. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So here's the thing as you look at this verse and why I wanted to start here is is because I think it's important for us to see and it's important for us to know that God has a plan. He has a plan. He's been working his plan out. Like sometimes we get into a place where we can just stop and we say, man, does God know what's going on? Does he understand what's happening? Like when Adam and Eve were in the garden and they decided to eat the fruit, God wasn't like, oh shoot, what happened? What do we do now? He knew from the very beginning. He had a plan and he's been in control the whole time. He's working his plan out and his plan is Jesus. 
He's known since the very beginning of time, and he's been in control of all things, and he's working all things out through Christ, and he's already accomplished them through Christ on the cross. It's good for us to know, it's important for us to know that God has a plan. And not only does he have a plan, but he wants that plan to be known. Sometimes we can walk through life and it's like, man, what does God want of me? You know, I mean, you go to the Christian bookstores and you go to Barnes and Noble and go to the Christian book section and you just see book upon book, right, of what is God's will for my life? And we're just like, does God want to know? Is he some kind of crazy jokester out there that's like, hey, over here is my eternal plan for you? <laughs> nope. No, that's not who God is, right? He has a plan and he's working his plan out and he wants his plan to be known. Not just globally, but he wants his plan to be known and realized in your life. He wants you to see his plan and experience his plan and live out his plan for you. He has a dream and a destiny for you. He has something he wants you to do in this world that has eternal significance. From the very beginning of time, he knew who you were. He knew your name and wanted you to be a part of what he's doing. God has a plan and he's working it out and that plan involves you and he wants his plan to be known. And that's huge and that's important because if he's got a plan, then he's God, right? He's in control of all things because he made the plan. So he has a plan and he made the plan and since he made the plan, he's in control of it, which makes him the creator, right? So he's got a plan, he made the plan, he's in control of the plan, he's the creator and since he's in control and he's the creator, he's got the right to tell us what to do. He's got the right to tell us what to do. And that right there, my friends, that's the difficult thing about our relationship with God. I mean, it's like, God, you created starfish. Man, those things are so cool. Man, you made the earth, and I love all this different stuff. I love the beaches. God, you're so cool, and you made the beaches. And pizza, thank you for pizza. Oh, thank you so much. And Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross because we can have ham next week. Thank you for pigs. Amen, right? Like, oh, thank you for that. And then he's like, yeah, yeah. Okay, and I uh, just want you to know that I'm not just this guy that's like throwing out cotton candy, right? I'm God. I'm in control. I can tell you what to do. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's where things get in trouble. But it's important for us to know, right? And when we're talking about the good news, when you're thinking about who God is and what he's done through Jesus Christ, it's important for us to know, and it's vital for us as followers of Christ to understand that he is God, he has a plan, he's working that plan out, he's finished and accomplished that plan through Christ, right? That because he has a plan, he's the creator, he's made all things and he's control of those things, therefore he gets to tell us, his created beings, what to do. It's important for us to understand that and it's important for us to see that that is where everything starts. Our Bible starts in Genesis at creation because God wants us to know and to understand that he is God and we are not. And we have to understand that. That is so important for us to get and to understand. It's where the Christian message starts. If you start anywhere else, if you start anywhere else, there's no telling where you're gonna land. 
I joked around last week at the Williamsburg campus. And I was like, you know, it's like if I brought my seven-year-old daughter up here on the stage and gave her a bow and arrow right in front of you and faced you all. Right? You'd be ducking underneath your chairs. You'd be like, dear God, what is he doing? Like, what's happening in this moment? Because there's no telling what she's going to do. It's the first time she's ever held one. She doesn't know, right? It's a deadly weapon, right? And we just don't trust you in this moment. You would be running for your lives, right? It's the same thing in our lives when we just step up and we say, listen, I'm going to do what I want to. I'm going to go where I want to go to. I don't have to listen to anything. And, and I'm just, just going to do my own thing because God's not, you know, in control. He's not the creator. He's not the one. Like, I'm the one who's in control of my life. If we start start there, we're going to end up in a very disastrous place. If we start in the place that says, you know what, I'm a pretty good person, and you know what, I think I'd just be an even better person if Jesus was in my life. You're going to end up in a disastrous place, because that's not the truth of the good news. The truth of the good news is, is that God is God, and you were not, and he's got a plan, and he's working it out, and he's wanting us to discover what that plan is, and he wants us to see what he's doing. Charles Spurgeon says this, I love it. He says, if you sincerely believe a lie, you will suffer the consequences. You must not only be sincere, but you must be right. What we believe about the good news and what we understand the good news to be, it's imperative for us to know the truth of the gospel and it's imperative for us to know what the gospel really is because it shapes how we live our lives and how we follow Christ and everything that he's called us to do. We have to know the truth of his word, not just an idea about it, not just some, you know, just, just like, hey, maybe this is, you know, I read this in a book somewhere. No, we have to understand the truth of it and understand what it means for us and how it impacts us. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight, and we're going to do that by looking at the Israelites, and we're going to look at them in Judges, because it's a whole lot more fun we get to look at a book of people that have failed and we get to judge them for their failures. It's so much easier than looking at our own. Judges chapter one, verse 19. It says this. So this, uh, before we do that. So in Judges here, we've got these, you know, the Israelites, they've been wandering around out in the desert for 40 years. What was supposed to be an 11-day trip is now taking them 40 years, and all the people that initiated the trip, like, they messed up so bad that, that their kids had to wait for them to die so their kids could go into the promised land that God had for them. And, and so now the kids, like, they're the, you know, they're the adults, and they're taking on the promise that God has for them, and they're stepping into that, and they're crossing the Jordan, and they're taking the property and taking the land, and, and they're seeing God's promise become a reality in their life. I mean, can you imagine that moment, right? I mean, have you ever waited 40 years for anything, right? I mean, we wait 40 seconds in a drive through line, and we're, like, blowing steam mad. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, you're in Starbucks, you know, and you're waiting in line in the drive through for 25 minutes, it feels like, in Williamsburg especially, right? And by the time you get up there, like, you just want to take your latte and throw it at somebody, you know? And so you're just like, don't judge me. You feel that way. You know you do. It's okay, all right? Don't, don't feel better than about yourself than you are, all right? So, like... So, you know, like we just get crazy mad. They waited 40 years to receive God's promise. And so now they're stepping into it and they're discovering and, and, and seeing all that God said he was going to do, seeing it become a reality. And they're stepping into these moments of just like, wow, this is really happening. But then something begins to go wrong. In Judges chapter 1, verse 19, we've got this group and we could look at all these different groups, but we look at this group. And it says this, the Lord was with the people of Judah, and they took possession of the hill country. 
But they failed to drive out the people living in the plains who had iron chariots. Now, this is an important thing right here. They failed to drive out the people. And I know a lot of times that this becomes a big question for people. Like, why would God just want massacre to happen? Like, why is God behind genocide and all of this different stuff? And that's a bigger discussion that we're going to get into. But ultimately, it's this. He's God is God, and he knows what is happening, and he's in control of all things. He is the ultimate judge. He knows what is right, and he knows what is wrong. And what God sets out to do, it is right, and it is good. And we can talk about it more later if you want to. But in Deuteronomy chapter 20, this is what he says. This is why I want you to drive people out. It says, in those towns, the Lord your God has given you as a special possession. Destroy every living thing. You must completely destroy the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Pezzarites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Just as the Lord your God has commanded you. This will prevent the people of the land from teaching you to imitate their detestable customs in the worship of their gods, which would cause you to sin deeply against the Lord your God. So we've got the Israelites beginning to take possession of the land that God had given them, that they've been waiting for, the years for, that had been promised to them, and they're starting to see all of these things happen, but then all of a sudden, instead of seeing God's faithfulness, and instead of seeing all of the rewards that God promised them, instead of seeing the victories that they were told they were going to receive, instead of all this, we see the Israelites step into this horrible cycle of sin where God sins and raises up a judge and everything's right and everybody says, yay, God, you're awesome. And then they're like, okay, everything's taken care of. Who's God? We don't care. We're going to do what we want. And it becomes a cycle of sin where the Israelites exist and it's perpetual in the country and it leaves them in a place of ruin. And it's a big thing for us to look at and for us to understand because they, right, they were chosen to declare to the world who God was and what God was up to. Like they were chosen, handpicked by God. And God told them, listen, if you do what I tell you to, if you go where I tell you to go, if you live the way that I tell you to live, you're never going to lose a victory. You're never going to lose a battle. You're never going to be out with what, you know, you're going to never be in a place of want. You're going to have the things that you want and you're going to be blessed. And you're going to be a people that I'm going to show the world my glory through. You're going to be a powerful and amazing nation. This is who you're going to be if you just do what I tell you to do. But he knew their hearts. And he knew their condition. He knew what they were prone to do. And so he's, listen, don't surround yourself with these people. Don't go in there and just go in and say, okay, everything's going to be fine. Like, you've got to remove this because I know the human condition. I know your heart. I know what you're prone to do. Like, these people that they were going and told to take out, it's not like they were just like people that, like, you know, it's like had cute monkey gods in their little tents and they're just like, isn't this fun? Isn't this cute, right? These were people that were burning their children. Like, they're throwing their children in fires. And God knew, hey, if you surround yourself with those people, you're going to choose that over me every time. You've got to go in and you've got to move everything out. You've got to clear it all. You've got to give them a chance to repent, but you've got to, if they refuse to, get them out. Because the problem is for them and the problem is for you and me that we get into this place that every single time our condition, our reality is, is that our hearts are bent to reject God and disobey his commands. 
That's what our hearts are bent to do. That is the way we are. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says that we have all sinned, that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. You know, I hear people joke around sometimes, and like when I get to heaven, I'm gonna ask Adam and Eve, you know, like, what were you thinking? Like, what, I mean, seriously, was it really that hard? You know, and I joke around, I'm like, here's the funny thing, they're gonna go, you would have done the same thing, <laughs> right? Like, because that's just the way it is. That's the way we are bent. See, God gave us free will and he gave us a choice to choose because if we didn't have the choice to choose, then we could never love freely and we can never know his love freely given to us. And so he had to give us the ability to choose. He had to give us the place where we could say, I want you and I want nothing else. See, when God created us, his intent was and his desire was is that we would live in an unbroken, perfect relationship with him for all of eternity. That's what he wanted, and he's getting us back there, and he's got a plan, and he's working it out, and he's made it possible through Jesus. He is God, and he's taking care of it, and he's going to get us there again, but it's our job to say, God, I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want to choose you, and I want to choose the plan that you have, and I want to choose the things that you're doing. But our hearts, we just like doing the other thing. We just like going the other way. We like choosing sin. And, and, and this right here, like, I, ju I just want to give a, an over, like, just sweeping general definition of sin. Because a lot of times we get into it, especially as a pastor, a lot of times we hear, hey, Pastor Jamie, like, what can I get away with? Right? Like, is it okay to, like, that's one of my favorite questions, right? Is it okay to, you know? And I'm like, I don't know, would your mom let you do it? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know, this is like, just what, you know, like, but, hey, can I do this? Can I get away? How far can I go? Like, we, 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 we desire, right? Like, where can I go? What can I do? What can I, what, man, what can I get away with? What, what can I just, you know, well, well, uh, is this okay, right? Yeah, it's okay. I can do this. Like, that's just the way we're wired, right? Like, that's the way we're bent. I'm just telling you, you can get into, well, this is a sin, and this is not a sin, this is a sin, this is not a sin, all of these different things, you can get into it. I want you to hear this general definition of sin. And then I want you to think about the things that in your life that this could apply to. Sin is a person's rejection of God's authority as creator over all things. Sin is a person's rejection of God's authority as creator over all things. See, because he's got a plan and he's the one that made the plan, that makes him creator. And because he's creator, he gets to tell us what to do. And because he gets to tell us what to do, we have to say, you're God and I'm not. And whatever you tell me to do, I've got to do. And whatever you tell me not to do, I need to stay away from it. I need to run from it. I need to flee from it. So let me ask you this. Next time you think, can I do this? Should I do this? Can I get away with this? I just want you to ask yourself the simple question. If God told me, and I knew, and it was clear to me, and he said, don't do that, would you be willing to drop it and walk away without a thought? If there's anything in you that would say, oh, I don't know, don't do it, don't play around with it, don't even get close to it, and run from people that do. 
If there's anything, I don't care how simple it is. I don't care how big it is. I don't care what it might be, right? If there's something in your life that if God was to stand up and say, I want you to stop doing this right now, and you were to go, I don't know, that's kind of important to me. Run from it. Run from it. Because I'm just telling you, our hearts are prone to want things other than what God wants for us. Every single time, we just want it, and we cling to it, and we buy into it, and and here's why we do it. And you're just like, listen, I'm not really a bad person, Pastor Jamie. Like, I feel like you're beating me up right now, and like, I just want you to know, like, I'm just telling you, no, you are, all right? You are. And if it makes you feel any better, I'm worse than you are, okay? If that makes you feel any better, all right? But here's the deal, is what happens is, is we buy into these lies that God is keeping something better from us. And so what happens is we say, I want to do that. I want to be a part of that. Ooh, I really like the way that makes me feel, right? And we start categorizing those things as okay and not okay. And we do all this different stuff. And there's some stuff, look, I'm just telling you, right? I'm not trying to point out one thing or another. I'm telling you that there could be a sin that you have that's not a sin for me. I'm telling you that there's things that you've got to get a hold of that God says, listen, that's got too strong of a hold on your heart. And you can ask yourself, is this thing, is it something that I just can't let go of? Is it something that if I was told I can't do it, that I would really struggle? If that is true, it's got too much value in your life, and you've got to run from it. You've got to flee from it. You've got to be able to step into a place and say, my life without that, but with Jesus, will be way better than my life with that and without Jesus. You've got to step into that place. That is how you look and you stop and say, creator, created, yes, sir, gotcha, right? That's the life that he wants us to live. That's the way he wants us to go. You're like, hey, there's nothing like that in my life, Pastor Jamie. Like, I'm pretty good, right? I I don't have anything that I would hold on to. I would drop everything and let go of it. In fact, I've done that already. And, you know, everything's pretty good for you. Your rejection might not be that God can't tell you to do a certain thing or not do a certain thing. Your rejection of God might be as his authority to do what he said he was going to do. You step into moments and God said, I'm gonna take care of you. And you said, okay, God, I don't trust you. I'm gonna go take care of myself. God says, I want you to go here and I want you to do that. And you say, God, there's no way I'm going there and there's no way I'm gonna do that. Do you know who lives there? That's not gonna happen. You you don't listen to God saying, I want you to go here and do that because I want to do something through you. I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to protect you. Yeah, it might not be easy. There might be some complications. There might be some difficult things, but I'm going to go before you. I'm going to be with you throughout the whole thing. And I'm telling you, this thing is going to be good for you and others. And people are going to know Jesus because of it. And we step out and we say, "Ah, I don't know. Right? Can I, do, can I do the really bad thing and be a pastor and talk about money for a second, right? We hear pastors together here. we talk about the 2020 given and the faith promise given. And you're like, yeah, that's good for you, but Look, I'm just telling you. You got dreams of something that God wants to do. Man, it's quiet in here. God does, he's, you got dreams of things that you want to do and you got things that you want to accomplish. Sometimes God gives you something so that he can see that you're going to do something with it. He wants to see that you are able to be a channel that trusts him and walks in his grace, 
that you are something that where not things go to die, but you're someone, you're a person who's walking around saying, I want to, God's glory to be known everywhere I go and through everything I do. We talk about giving, not without the money. Listen, I'm just telling you, man. I'm, I'm just telling you. Like, and, and I've done it, right? So I guess I can say this, right? Like, I've pastored this church without anybody's money coming in, right? I was working as a server and doing two other jobs. And I'm not saying that to boost myself up. I'm just saying, we're not wanting your money. We're wanting you to step in the faithfulness of who God is and discover his grace and discover that he has something he wants to do in you and he has something he wants to do through you, that he has a plan for you. And you have to step into it and say, God, I'm gonna trust you. You're God. You're gonna do what you said you were gonna do. And I'm not gonna run from it. I'm not gonna ignore it. I'm not gonna reject it. I'm gonna believe it because you're God. And I'm gonna say, let's do this thing. Step into it with boldness. Are we good? Everybody all right? It wasn't even in my notes. Listen. When we doubt the goodness of God, we reject his authority over our lives. And that's what happens when we are in those moments when God says, I want you to stop that. Or God says, I want you to go here. Or God says, I want you to say that. Where God says, hey, listen, don't even play around with that. Don't even go over there and talk to that person. Right? He knows our hearts. And we got to say he is good and he is in control and he's wanting what's best for me. And I'm going to trust that. And I'm going to submit my life to him in belief that God is working all things out for his glory and my good. So I'm going to trust that. I'm going to trust in his goodness. And I'm going to follow him. Because when we begin to doubt the goodness of God, we reject his authority. Why is it that we say, I don't want to do that and I can't go there and I'm not going to do that? Because we don't know if God is going to come through on his part. And it puts us in a dangerous place. Because in order for us to move towards God, you have to take a step away from the lies that keep you from trusting in his promises. In Judges, or Joshua, excuse me, Joshua chapter 17 we find these Israelites that were like, hey, there's, this land's not big enough for us, and I know that we're supposed to go and take this, but, um, you know, like, hey, this is their response. So they're talking to Joshua. And the descendants of Joseph responded, it's true, the hill country is not large enough for us, but all the Canaanites in the lowlands have iron chariots, both those in Bashan and its surrounding settlements and those in the valley of Jezreel. They are too strong for us. See what happens. And the crazy thing, right? This is, this is Joshua's clan. Like these are his people. They're his relatives. And they're going up and they're just like, okay. We don't have what we're supposed to have. And we don't want to do the work we're supposed to do. So we're going to ask Joshua to do it and give us what we're supposed to have without doing any of the work because they've got iron chariots and we don't really want to step out and we don't really want to do that because we think some bad things are going to happen. So you know what? Hey, Joshua, can you make this thing happen for us? Because it looks scary. It looks dangerous. It looks like some bad things are going to happen. 
They completely reject the truth of what God had spoken to them. I'm going before you. I'm protecting you. Everything's going to work out. If you do what I said, you are going to see victory and you're going to receive the promise that I've given you. And so what happens in their life and what happens in our life every single time, this is what God said we're supposed to do, right? This is what he said he was going to do. And then we look at it and say, nope, I know better. Because we get into this place where we buy into the lies of the world. And what happens when we buy into the lies of the world is, is that we become idle and we drift from the destiny that God has from us. We buy into and instead of listening that God is good and that God is faithful and that God is powerful and God is going to work all things out. We start buying into the lies of iron chariots, not good, going to die. And when we get into that place, we get to this place where we stop and we don't do the things God's called us to do. We're idle. We're sedentary. And you know what happens when you're idle and you're sedentary? Bad things begin to happen. You begin to break down. Things begin to fall apart. Things begin to smell. It's nasty. And when we get idle, all of a sudden, we find ourselves far from the place that God wants us to be. See, these people, they're like, man, they got chariots. This is scary. They've got chariots. This is not something we want to do. In Judges chapter 4, we see uh, in verse 3, it says this. It says, listen to this. This is crazy, right? So this is like they could have taken the land. They could, everything could have gone well. Everything could have happened. But they're like, I don't know. We're not going to trust God. We don't know if he's going to really work things out. We step into this place. And then all of a sudden we see years later, Caesarea, who had 900 iron chariots, ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. And then the, the people finally cried out to the Lord for help. Satan is able to cause the trouble in our lives that he does only by appealing to our own corrupt nature. You're like, man, you're supposed to be talking about the good news and all I've been hearing is bad news. Last week when I was wrapping up this, uh, this sermon, after I got done, this person, they were just like, you talked about the bad news for like ever and you talked about the good news for 30 seconds. But here's the deal. If you don't see the truth of the bad news, you'll never, ever, ever accept the truth of the good news. The truth of the good news will not be something that you can grasp. It will not be something that moves you to live a fearless, unshakable life in Christ until you understand the need for the good news. See, the Israelites and the worship team, you can go ahead and come up, because if you don't, I won't shut up. See, the Israelites, they kept falling into the cycle of sin because they kept listening to the lies of the world. They kept listening to the lies of the friends. They kept listening to all of these different things instead of trusting in who God was. See, God was like, listen, you've got to get these people out of here, and you've got to get this thing away from you, and you've got to get yourself in a place where you are completely sold out and surrounded only by me. Because if you don't see that I'm good, and if you don't see that I'm able to do what I said I'm going to do, you're going to drift. You're going to become idle. And when you become idle, you're going to find yourself at some point far, far away from me, far away from the thing that I wanted to do in your life, far away from the thing that I wanted to do through your life. Look to me, trust in me, hope in me. But he knew our hearts and he knows our hearts. Listen, you don't need Jesus to fix your bank account. 
You don't need Jesus to fix your marriage. You don't need Jesus because some pastor at some point told you that you did. You don't need Jesus so that you can be a better person. You don't need Jesus for any of those reasons and a thousand more that we can list out as to why we come to him. You need Jesus because without him, you can never, ever find yourself in relationship with God. God's plan, his intent from the beginning of time was that you would be in an unbroken, perfect relationship with him. And he had to give us a chance to choose. And every single time we choose something other than God because we doubt his goodness. We feel that he's hiding something from us. We feel like he's not gonna come through. We let fear dictate our lives. We let all of these things drive what we're doing and where we're going. That's who we are. It's what we do. Why do we find ourselves in situations where you're like, what in the world is happening? Like, how did this happen? You chose it. You walked right into it. That's the way it is. But here's the awesome thing. See, the Israelites, they kept wanting God to change their circumstances and situations when things got bad enough. God, we need, we need somebody to save us. We need somebody to save us. And then once he came around, and he's just like, oh, okay, we're done, we're done, we're done. Okay, we're good. Everything's perfect now. They wanted God to change their circumstances. They wanted God to fix some things for them. It's not about whether or not you have a problem with A, B, or C, or D. It's not whether or about you're an angry person. It's not whether or about you can think about anything that somebody could label as a sin that you can put in there. It's about the fact that God wants to be in relationship with you. God wants to be a part of your life. God not only wants to be a part of your life, he wants to be your life. God has a plan for you that is bigger and greater than you could ever imagine for yourself. God wants to do something in you and God wants to do something through you. God wants to be your God and he wants to do something powerful through you. But you can't say, okay, I need God so that he can fix some things so I can do that. You need to get to a place, not where God needs to come in and he needs to manipulate some circumstances, but you need to stop and you need to realize it's not a God who fixes things. It's a God who can be my savior. Because God is holy and he is righteous and he is powerful and he is majestic and he is wonderful and as perfect and as, as, as amazing as he is, he cannot overlook and he cannot tolerate sins, including yours and including mine. And he knew that and that's the bad news. But here's the good news. Here's the good news is that you and I, it's not our hope that things are made right and made good and that we're able to be in relationship with God because of what we do. But it's through his grace, through Christ, that he made a way for us to be right with God. The good news is, is that it, it, the good news is not that you're just broken and you need a chance to be fixed. The good news is this, is that you are irrevocably broken. And as such, you'll forever be against God and outside of his protection. 
love and grace. But through Christ, God is for you and he is with you. The good news is, is that through Christ, you can be at peace with God. The good news is, is that you can be at peace with yourself. You can be at peace with others. The good news is, is that God has a plan. He's always had a plan and that plan has been through Christ and it's already been accomplished. And through Christ, you were accepted, you were made new, you were made whole, you were able to walk in victory, you were able to walk in healing, you were able to walk in provision, you're able to know truth, you're able to do the things that God's called you to do. The dreams that he has for you can become a reality that you don't find yourself in a place where you find yourself broken and dismayed and just dying and suffering, but you find yourself in a place that even if circumstances are difficult, you know peace and you know joy and you know confidence. The good news is, is that it's not up to you that it's been done through Christ. The good news is, is that you'll screw it up every time, but that Jesus was perfect and he made it right because he lived the life that you could not live and he died the death that you and I deserve so that you and I can have the life eternal promised in him. That's the good news. The good news is, as bad as we are, he's that much better. The good news is, as jacked up as we are, he's there and he's never walked away. That he's faithful and he's good and he's always there. That no matter how far we run, he's still chasing. That's the good news, is that Jesus wants to be and has made an opportunity for us to be in relationship with him. That is the good news, is that we're not on our own, that he is God for us and God with us. Come on, is that good news? So here's what I want to do. I ended right at 6.30, which is when we're supposed to be walking out of the doors, but you knew that wasn't going to happen. If somebody can move this table and chair, here's what I want to do. We're, we're going to sing that last song that we sang at the end of worship. Listen, here's the deal. I just felt like when we were in that moment and we were worshiping, I, I just felt, man, I, I just felt like God was just, just working in me and he was just saying something. I was like, what are you saying? And I was just like, listen, if you know something's good, you can't stay away from it. If you know something is good, you have to have it. If he's calling and says, I'm here, we have to respond. It wasn't too long ago, it was a couple weeks ago maybe, I had a moment with my son and man, it was one of those moments where you had to be a dad, right? You had to lay down the law, and lay it down hard. Maybe I crossed some lines and went a little bit too far, but I'm not perfect. And I love those moments because I can teach my son what's wrong and right and I can ask for forgiveness. But I'm just telling you this. It was about a day later and Braden was sitting next to me and he was laying and just snuggled up against me. And he said, Dad, I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you so much for doing what you did yesterday. such a good dad because you're willing to tell me where I'm wrong and you give me love when I don't deserve it. See, 
if you don't understand how bad the bad news is, if you don't understand what Jesus overcame on the cross, you're able to stay where you are, unmoved. But if you understand what the bad news is, and you understand what the good news is because of how bad the bad news is, you can't stay where you are. You have to respond. You can't hold it in. I'm just telling you, when I got saved when I was 19, I wasn't perfect, but it was a radical change. And I can't shake it, and I can't walk away from it. Sometimes I feel like I've tried, but I'm just telling you, he's always been there. And so tonight, here's what I want us to do, is I want us to sing this song. And if you're out here tonight, and you've never made a vow of devotion to Christ, you've never made a moment where you say, I see that I need a savior. And it's not because of this or that, it's because I, in myself, can never be what you demand of me. But Jesus is, and through him, you will see me as him, and you will give me the life that is promised in him. If you've never had that moment, Tonight, as you sing this song, as you stand there in your spot, I want you to say, God, I want you to be my Lord and Savior, and I submit my life to you. All authority is yours, and I'm saying, let's do this thing. If you've been in church, if you've been in church your whole life, and you've said that prayer a thousand times, but you refuse to give God authority, you refuse for his words and his promises to have authority over your life. You tonight, you, you need to give your heart to Christ. You need to say, I'm stepping out and I'm surrendering and he is my Lord and I'm saying all authority is yours and I'm living for you. And I want us to sing this song and I want us to not just say the words, I want us to respond. I'm just telling you, everything within me when we were singing that song, when Chris was saying, bow, I wanted to bow. And everything within me, when I said, hey, listen, he's Lord, and all this stuff, I'm horrible with lyrics. When he was just saying all this different stuff, I'm like, I gotta respond, I gotta do something. I want us to let go of the restraints, and I want us to respond. There are people in the back, you've got the murrows, and you've got, who's that, the feast, the festivals over here. If you need somebody to pray with you, go and let them pray with you. Steve's up here. we got other people to pray with you. Come to this altar. Sing this song. Pour your heart out. You know why? Because the good news is, is that where you are is not where God wants you. He wants you to know who He is. He wants you to move into His promises that He has for you. He wants you to discover the destiny that He has for you and to know that life is found in Jesus.